Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Super excited for today's interview because this is part two of my conversations with some of the leadership team at Spire Financial. And they are just incredible everyday innovators out there innovating, influencing, and making an impact. Before I dig into the interview, I just want to say thank you for the incredible five-star reviews that you've been giving us on iTunes. I so appreciate it. And as I've said before, I see those not as five stars for me, but five stars for all the incredible everyday innovators, the guests that we have on. And I want to remind you that more reviews equals more listens, which equals more impact. So if you haven't done it yet, go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. We're on all the players and leave us a review. It is like a round of applause for all those incredible people we have on the show. So speaking of incredible, let me tell you a little bit about the two leaders we have from Spire Financial today. As a reminder, this is part two of a three-part series. I want to tell you a little bit about their everyday innovator styles so that you can listen for it as we're having the conversation. And when you're listening, I want you to think about it first from your perspective and how you innovate, what they say that might resonate with you or how you might even do it differently. And second, I want you to think about the people around you because I bet you know people who innovate like they do. And if you understood that about those people, you'd be able to tap them even more. So Matt and Turner. Matt is a collaborative tweaker. Collaborative is all about pulling the pieces together to create that puzzle picture. They're really good at engaging with people, getting their perspectives, looking for different experiences to pull from to create incredible innovation. And the tweaker side is all about iterating and adjusting. I find with tweakers, things are never final. So it's not like success or failure, but that one little adjustment because they know the most amazing innovation, that win that we all need is just one little adjustment away. So the power in that combination, the magic that Matt brings in being a collaborative tweaker is whole optimized innovation. Now, Turner, who you're also going to hear from, is an instinctual risk taker. So instinctual is all about a more circuitous thinking, more from the gut. And it's because they think from A to X to L, back to A, over to Y. But because of that, they're really good at connecting dots in new and meaningful ways. They tend to take information and pull out the insights and the patterns that the rest of us don't see. And then the risk taker side is all about innovating in the uncomfortable. In fact, those of us who are risk takers often have to leap and get uncomfortable to do our best innovation. What I'm finding over the years with um, the tens of thousands of people across the globe who've taken our assessment is that those who are risk takers sometimes even manufacture pressure or uncomfortable moments because it actually helps them innovate to have that. So the magic in Turner's everyday innovator style, instinctual risk taker is connective, bold innovation. Now, before we get to the interview, the one last thing I want to say about it is what I love about these interviews when we have two at the same time or we do a group is not only are the conversations dynamic, but they're also different. And you're going to hear Matt being a collaborative tweaker and you're going to hear Turner being an instinctual risk taker and how they think in some ways similar, but in many ways different. So let's get to it. All right, I'm super excited to interview you too. So I know who you are, but tell the world who you are and what you do. 
I'm Matt Deluzio, branch manager at Spire Financial. We're a mortgage company. And I'm Turner Williams. I'm a senior loan officer here at Spire Financial and a branch manager as well. Depending on the day of the week, we're the top producers in the company. Well, first of all, congratulations on that, which is part of the reason why I'm excited to interview you. So I'm, I'm curious, as top producers, what do you think it's taken to navigate through the kind of uncertain and changing times that we've had? I've, I've had a lot of people say to me, I used to be on the top of the game, my game, and now I'm behind, but you're still on top. So how do you think about that? Well, I think especially in the real estate market or the mortgage market, somebody told me once, you can't control which way the wind blows. You can just adjust your sales. And that's something that I think we think about a lot because the market changes quickly. As we're doing this, this interview, the market's changing and we're looking at ways in which we can help our clients be successful and ultimately build their wealth. So that's what's led to our success so far. Yeah. I mean, I think in real estate and mortgage specifically, the only constant is change. I mean, I've been doing this about 12 years and we're in our 10th 10th or 12th different market. I mean, it's it's wow. almost every year, it's something fairly different, um, big changes uh, every year. Um, I think, you know, what what's helped us be successful is just continuously trying to find ways to add value to our clients and find ways to, you know, as, as salespeople, we, we try to focus on the advice side of things, but as salespeople, how do we get in front of more people to share our advice um, and just consistently or constantly evolving that, um, our message, our mode of communicating and how do how do we get to touch more people so one of the things that both of you kind of alluded to is um about kind of the, the change is always happening particularly in this industry i think and we've seen like it's it's not only been a lot of change but it's been rapid one of the things that i think is a struggle for a lot of people and i've been in this boat before is recognizing the signals of change right? Whether that's kind of these conversations that start to happen, frustrations that come up in people, um, numbers and markets and graphs. But I think oftentimes it's more than the charts, right? It's all the other things. How do you two look for this? Or what signals do you look for? Or how do you know when it's enough to make you go, oh, we need to pay attention to that? I think there's an undertow uh, usually. And if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden it sweeps you away, right? Uh, I like to use that anecdote because especially in our market that happens and all of a sudden you're kind of swept out to sea and you're like, how did I get here? But it's just important to understand like what's happening in the markets, how our people are feeling. We have to stay really in touch and in tune with that and continually educate ourselves. If you're not educating yourself, if you're not investing your time to make yourself better, then you're going to fall behind really quickly. And it's not to say that we're always right and that we have the timing right, but we're always trying to pay attention to those things. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, just we were talking about our personality differences between the, just the two of us. Um, I, he, he's more, much more data driven than I am. And, and I think he's, he sees things from a number standpoint, whereas I, I, I tend to think I feel it. I feel like That's I felt. The instinctual side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like I felt that, felt the winds of change coming, you know, since they've been coming. You know, we had one of our best months of all time in September of last year, and we were talking about, you know, this is going to go the other direction here pretty soon. Um, you could just feel it. And it's it's a combination of, you know, seeing some numbers and hearing what he's saying or hearing what, you know, my LOs are saying to me or um, just my team individually, the client's communicating in this way and it's a shift. Um, we have enough numbers where we're not just hearing one person get out of the market. We're seeing, you know, where we might have one person, we're having three or four people fall out and not want to buy this month or something like that. So you can feel it. 
um, just from the, the conversations. And I think, you know, as he said, you, you can quickly be swept away if you're not paying attention. And I think, um, you know, those the people that have success are, are paying attention and, and, and feeling and hearing um, what's changing in the market. Um, I don't know how to say, I don't know how to give your, your audience the, the, the tools to go do that. It's just more of a pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. And I think, you know, you have to be a practitioner at times. So, you know, as leaders that we can quickly find ourselves out from being in touch with either our originators, Turner and I both lead and also originate ourselves. So it's a little bit easier, I think, for us to stay in tune with what's happening on the street or that undertow. And I think that's been really important for us to maintain that connection. So there's two things that I just want to highlight in what both you said that I think is so important for the listeners and for all of us to really pay attention to, because I think it's actually something that we resist, which is why we miss change. So first of all, you had said about the, um, about the undertow that it's always there. And I think we try so hard to like swim high enough on the surface that we don't touch the undertow, but it's there, right? And to your point, sometimes it just gets you. So I think we just need to know what's there and recognize it. And your point about feeling it, I think oftentimes we, the signals are all around us, but we don't pay attention to them because we don't want to, right? We put our blinders on. Very and true. then, yeah, and then it feels like it, it takes us by surprise, but that's just because, right? We pretended like the undertow didn't exist and we see these like trickles of things happening, but we look the other direction because that means change for us where what I hear you guys saying is like, hey, just always have your eyes and ears open and pay attention to it. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, I think then the change that you need to make to navigate that isn't so scary because you're actually ahead of it. Yeah, you know, I, I think we've been talking a lot about this. Um, the we didn't want it to we didn't want it to change. Yeah, uh, you know, we've been the, the global or the overall economy's been in a bull market for over a decade. It's a historically long bull market, and this is not the first period during that bull market where we thought, oh, this is this is the moment that it gets a little worse or something like that. Um, so we're always, you know, there's 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 been fear before, but this feels like we're probably changing into a different type of market. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when these types of things happen, some people ostrich, you know, into the sand and they don't want to hear it. And it's, you know, the market's causing me to have a bad day and um, sentiment is causing me to have a bad day and others focus on the things they can control. And mm -hmm. so I think it's the, I think it's the shift back to the basics, as I said, be kind of being a practitioner, folks focusing on the things you can't control as an originator for me, that would be making more phone calls, talking with more people, making sure I'm having those conversations and, and hitting a certain number. It's a numbers game at the end of the day, um, when you're in a production role. So how many conversations have I had this week? I mean, that's something I can control. I can't control whether this person's sentiment is that it's not a good day to buy a house or that the rates have gone up almost a percentage point in the last week. Um, I, I can't, I have no control over that. I didn't do anything to, to, for that to happen. Um, so I can either bury my head in the sand or I can go continue to focus on the things that I can, I can't control. I love that though. The, I think all too often we, um, you said in the beginning, well, the market had, the market was bad. So I had a bad day, which is almost a victim mindset in a lot of ways. Um, and you, to your point, right, Matt, that winds go either direction. It's not like they change, they always change. Um, but to really focus on what's in your control. So speaking of focus, what are, what's something that you focused on or accomplished that's a recent win or something that you're both really proud of? I think for us over the last year in a really tough real estate market, you know, we put some tools and programs together for to help our clients be successful and have that competitive advantage in getting under contract. 
And we knew that 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 was very necessary. It came out of threat, honestly. And uh, I am of the belief that out of threat comes opportunity if you treat it right. Uh, because that's when uh, I think innovation happens at times is when, you know, you're maybe something you're going to have something to lose. People don't like to lose things. So uh, that true. was that was something that that really spurred us to take some action and got our attention really laser focused on creating that that cash program that allowed us to help our clients win a lot of contracts over the last year. And um, we're still using it today. So. Right, before you go, outside, I just want to ask you a question, Matt, about that. Sure. Um, sometimes it's easy to not see the problems we should solve, right? Or the things that are really valuable. How did you figure out like, hey, if we do this for our clients, right, this kind of giving them that competitive advantage with a cash offer, that's what's going to make the biggest impact for them, for us, for everybody that we serve versus, I don't know, a million other things that probably came up that same day. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we had always been trying to be at the forefront already of, hey, this is like a cash offer. And there's still in the market today, people that are presenting in that way. And it's just not, it hasn't been as strong. So I really wanted to take the strongest step we could and do the best job that we could. And then it evolved, it evolved itself. And, you know, then we relied upon other people to innovate some of those steps and controls and how it looks today uh, from practice. And so I think it was just out of out of necessity that we really built it and we're able to take the action and luckily put it together in, in the time we needed. That's great. So sorry, I interrupted No, I know. I was just going to address your, your very question. It, yeah. it was um, really topical to something I was talking about with my team today. Um, we've all read the love, the five love languages yeah. and we were talking about how you said like why why the cash buyer as opposed to the ten other things we could yeah. have maybe evolved to, um, and we were talking about how, you know, uh, you you say hey honey you look beautiful I love you so much words of affirmation and really she just wants some, you to take out the trash yeah like, you know, do, <laughs> do the dishes turn turns do the out dishes. acts of service she <laughs> wants it's, it's the acts of services or something yeah. and so we were talking about that and how it's very applicable in you know maybe our, maybe our clients don't want this or that you know or we we sometimes we're just forcing what we think they would find valuable. And I think right. this is a pretty good example of, uh, of listening to the market, hearing what people need, hearing what is and isn't working. Cause we have had solutions that are basically being used by other people in the market for a long time that we've said, this is kind of same as cash. Um, and Matt was being way too humble and not saying it was, a, it's probably the biggest win for Spire, not just him or, or any of us individually. And, and he, led the charge for over a year experimenting himself um you should have expounded more on this i think but uh you know really did lead the charge i mean the, the threat came up and there was an you know an innovator a tech uh disruptor company that came out with that program and almost immediately it, impa it impacted both of us and we were like this isn't you know good for us and he immediately uh took action we've been buying houses cash for year and a half a year oh, yeah over a year and a half now um well, and I think that it was also just, I knew that we could do it better than what it was being done in the market. It, I just had to see it first. And then, you know, it's my tweaker mindset, right? I'm that collaborative tweaker. So I had to, uh, I, I was able to see it and then, you know, really put it to practice for us. So, okay. I want to go back for a second. So uh, you mentioned the five love languages and doing that with your team and 
uh, it made me chuckle a little bit only because I read it. And by the way, I'm, I'm gifts. If anyone just, uh-huh. gifts, just so you <laughs> yeah. know, that's my love language is gifts and physical touch. So give me a hug and a gift, and I am like 100% good. But I, I want to go back. Versus uh, just outside the. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I want to go back though, because you said you're reading it with your team. And I want to ask you some questions about leading and coaching teams. Because I find it fascinating that you're reading that book with your team versus, I don't know, any of the one books. But, But how do you think about how do you think about not just as the top producers yourselves, because that's awesome, right, individually, but now you're coaching other people to be the best at their game. How do you think about that role? Um, it's a great question. Um, it's, it's, a, it's something that we focus on and think about every day, and it's, it's not always easy. Um, you know, trying to hear, trying to meet people where they are yeah. and hear what they need is, opposed, again, kind of same thing, as opposed to me pushing every thought I have I got to find the one that fits for that person and really understand their needs um, from a coaching standpoint. A lot of times it's, you know, that when you ask kind of what's what's the big win for me, it's like I'm very proud of the growth we've been able to have. We've hired mostly um, new to the industry people um, as opposed to veteran sure. loan officers, which is not the norm. Um, and, you know, we've uh, because of the cash buy program in particular, um, just my anecdotal evidence is we. We hit our. We were we were within a we were within a, a couple of loans of our all time record in March of this year with rates almost 
50% higher and zero refinances. Whereas in March of 2021, our record month, we were 40% refinances. So we've been able to replace that with purchase business. And that, that's kind of my big pride point. Um, but you know, how do we get there? It's a lot of, a lot of factors of the coaching and trying to find ways to coach and what do we need to coach on? Um, a lot of times we, you know, what I think I want to teach someone and then what they actually really need aren't always the same. And we've kind of, uncovered that recently um, and evolved some of our coaching to be more, you know, working on dealing with uh, how we communicate. Um, you know, we call it scripting, but you, you don't really read a script as a, you know, in a day-to-day -day basis. You don't learn something and memorize it and regurgitate it, um, but you kind of have to learn how to, how to communicate with people in an effective way. And it's not something we really focused on um, very much. And it's something we've kind of shifted to very recently um, to be more to be more of a focus. Um, so it's just, it's, it's trying to understand what the person needs as opposed to what, you know, maybe I, I want to coach on this particular topic and really what this person might need to hear is just something totally different. Uh, I think that in the mortgage business, what's really uh, amazing is that it's done and can be done a lot of different ways. How Turner, you know, does his business and sells and his value proposition is going to be different than mine. And so when he's talking about scripting, uh, we have to get our people to understand what their value proposition is, who they are, how they want to sell, how they want to advise. And we can provide the platform, but they have to be the, the steward of it, right? They have to understand what their specific uh, proposition is. And so, you know, I think for us, it's, it's about giving people opportunity. It's about providing guidance and mentorship uh, I grew up in this system at Spire Financial. I did not in high school want to be a mortgage lender. <laughs> okay. That was not, that, that was not, your little that was not on my chalkboard <laughs> in kindergarten. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't think anybody seeks out to be a mortgage lender, although it's a fantastic business to be in. Yeah. It truly is, especially, you know, if you do it with a really good group. And so for us, it's about providing opportunity and providing same opportunities that were provided to me that changed my family. And, and gave me a platform and a, a, a place to be entrepreneurial and continue to grow. And, you know, I've had plenty of jobs that have been great jobs, but never a place where I felt more fulfilled because I have growth, opportunity, problem solving. It's all here. And so for us, it's just about giving that to our people and in the way, like Turner's saying, the way that they need it. And that's different for everybody. Some people have different goals than others do, and that's okay. Yeah, coaching a large group is very difficult because every single person has a has a unique need and desire. Well, what I appreciate about that, though, is I think, first of all, as someone who at one point in my life was on the junior side of things, you know, to be shoved down the every quarter training that the, you know, leadership decided was the path that we were all going to take when it, either I was already good at that, or I had no interest in that, or, you know, fill in the way it didn't meet my goals, right? It was really frustrating. But also, you know, we talk a lot about strengths. And as you know, you've taken the assessment, we were talking about your um, innovator styles. There's a real missed opportunity, I think, when we don't tap into people's diversity of thinking, experiences, goals, objectives. And so I think when we do group as a group, we miss that opportunity too, right? Because we're not, we're not, not only are we not serving them, but we're actually not tapping into them as well. 
Well, I, I'm a sports guy, so my whole thing is always stealing somebody else's playbook and rewriting the play a little bit, you know, to suit our team or our, our philosophy or whatever. And so I'm always looking at ways in which people are communicating their value, providing their value, their strategy. And a lot of times I'll take some of that and implement it myself. And so I just hope to provide that to our people as well and help them do that for themselves as well. I want to flip it for a second and ask, what are obstacles that you faced and how have you overcome them? Um, I guess, you know, the the job of loan originator is historically been done by, you know, one person with, you know, their name on the, the loan application, kind of like the insurance broker on the, mm. the billboard, right? It's, it's, it's a solo job. Um, and it, it takes quite a bit of people to get a loan originated. Um, and there's a, a very large uh, set of skills that that come with it, and I would just say, um, you know, going from starting by myself, trying to do every single one of these things, and not being very good at, you know, four out of five or three out, of maybe, maybe you know, I don't know, not being very good at each of the pieces of the puzzle, um, finding ways to get better at those skills, um, and then finding ways to build build teams, um, and that's kind of our model find ways to build a team to produce that loan. I mean, at the end of at the end of a loan with our company, I mean, I would imagine 20 something people have touched a loan. Wow. Very diverse set of skills, um, very diverse set of personalities and innovation styles, um, personality types. Um, and 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 I think that's in the job, in my opinion, that is the biggest hurdle to overcome. It's very difficult to be really great at all those all of those tasks. And how do you how do you handle that? Like you can improve, you know, my ability to calculate a tax return income for a large business. I can improve that skill, you know, where I can help or I can find people, you know, find and build a team to, to help me do those things and add where I don't have, I don't have those skills. So it's uh, overcoming each of those obstacles is probably the, the biggest challenge, um, I, I think, in the, in the, in the job. I just real quick, I just want to say what I, what kind of spoke to me about that is um, I used to be a little bit of a control freak. Maybe I still am a little bit, but, and I wanted to do everything and be good at everything. And it's as good as you. Yeah. Right. It turns Don't out. You do it as good as you can. Delegating, yeah, yeah, yeah. delegating <laughs> it's is hard. Well, but, it's but, a very, very challenging part of that job. Yeah. We all yeah, are the absolutely. best. It's hard, right? So, right. We all think we're the best or it's easier to do it alone. And absolutely. what I came to realize is not only am I not the best at most things, turns out, but also, I don't need to truly get into the weeds to even get the best. I just need to understand kind of on a high level what's going on and then let them do what they do best. But it took me a long time to figure that out. Well, and I think that that's a really, really important lesson for a lot of people to learn. It took me a long time to learn to kind of get out of the way at yeah. times. And also, you know, there's people like to do different things. And so, True. you know, for me, the things that I can't imagine somebody liking to do of putting a loan, puzzling a loan together and making sure it works and structuring it, you know, those things, uh, somebody likes to do that. And I found that person and he's on my team, right? So overcoming the obstacles is figuring out where you're really strong, but also kind of not having that limiting belief or that barrier that, well, I don't like to do that, so nobody else is going yeah. to, right? Because there are people that are going to like to do probably those things that you don't like to do. And so that's that's been a big thing for me to actually get to because I was the 
I got to do it all. I got to understand it all. I have to, but you, you limit yourself considerably. One of the big things we coach on uh, in here and in my group in particular um, is is working inside of your genius zone and being and, and trying to avoid and, and spend less time in your incompetence or competence zones um, of your of your skill sets. Um, and so to, to that point, there are if you are you know, in the mindset of, well, it's the, the fastest way to get this particular problem solved is for me to do it. And you don't love doing it. And there's someone better at doing it. You're not only hurting, you're, you're hurt, you're taking away positive energy from yourself for future tasks. And you're hurting the team because your role, for instance, if I'm the loan officer, and my, my job is to go meet people and talk to people about mortgage loans. Yeah. I'm hurting the team by getting in their way when they're good at a certain particular thing and I'm not as good and it doesn't bring me good energy that I don't go and spend my time doing my the role that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm taking away from everyone, not just not just burdening myself um, and I'm spending time doing something I don't like doing. Um, and, and, and so we talk a lot about how do you stay in your genius zone? How do you stay in the zone of, you know, where you're most productive doing the best thing for the team and for yourself um, you know, is a really important concept that we talk a lot about and is very difficult. And it's a lot of what you're kind of saying is you, you think you're the best. At, yeah. You just assume that it'd be better if I make that call. I need to make that call. I need to make that, do that task. I'm the best. And how could somebody else like doing the thing I don't like? Like yeah. I can't even fathom. It's it's so, oh my gosh, we could have a whole podcast just on this one little kind of nugget. We're both pretty passionate about I know, I love it. And, and I think that there are probably a lot of uh, leaders out there going, oh my gosh, like taking copious notes just on this, even this part. It was all great, but this part alone too, because I think as a leader, that's one of the things that we struggle most with. And, and actually as a emerging leader too, is just recognizing that, hey, it's okay to not be the best at everything. In fact, you're not going to be. To be the best at the thing you should be the best at, you can't be the best at other things. And to recognize it, okay, I don't love Excel spreadsheets, but somebody right. does. Somebody love, does. Right? Somebody and, to, and to respect the fact that you love it for your reason, Matt, you're lighting up. So I think you might like Excel spreadsheets. I, but, I mean, you know, I, it's like, I, right? I get around Excel a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we got to wrap up here, but what piece of advice as a collaborative tweaker and as a risk taker instinctual, what advice, Matt Turner, do you have for other everyday innovators and leaders out there who are looking to, to do what you've done, which is innovate, navigate change, and also lead others to be their best through it too? I think you just have to be open-minded. I think you have to be very self-reflective of the things that you like, don't like, your strengths, your weaknesses, um, and to know that there are ways to build a team and there are people out there to help you. Okay. And it's it's a challenge and it can be scary, uh, especially as a emerging leader, or a small business owner, taking that next step is incredibly challenging, but it is more rewarding than ever as well. So true. Um, I think mine would be something along the lines of, you know, really being true to yourself. Like I, you know, if, if I'm instinctual, um, my instinct told me to not focus on trying to um, recruit Matt Deluzio, um, but to recruit people who are similar thinkers to me, similar per personalities um, to me, and to focus on finding good people, good quality people that I can align with, where that's not really the advice that was necessarily given to me. Um, but I knew that that was the right path for me. And, and it was, you know, painful at times to, to get started down that path. 
Um, but we, you know, we just kept doing what we thought was the right thing to do in terms of, you know, we find a good person, a smart person who's hungry and wants to work. And we, they, they raise their hand and they say, you know, I'll do that. Well, then we, you know, we provide them the tools, give them the resources, give them the education. Um, they come out of the other, they come out on the other end, you know, very successful. We made, we've helped a lot of people become very successful that had no prior experience. And, and again, that just isn't really the advice that maybe I would even give somebody if I was talking broadly um, of how to build a, a mortgage branch. But it, but I knew it was the right one for me. Um, and I just think that, you know, being true to what's right for you is pretty crucial. Like if you're not, you're not going to find, you know, I, I'm not going to find a lot of success trying to be Matt Delusio. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got skills that I don't have. This, this is such great advice to end on. So thank you for that. Um, I've got one last personal question for you, which is what would we be surprised to learn about you? Hobby, passion, experience. I used um, to run a pawn shop. People like that. What? Yeah, I know. It's like in college, <laughs> I ran a pawn shop. I mean, you know, people like like that. Uh, what people don't know about me is kind of interesting. That is. I, I would I, not have guessed that. I'm just yeah. a terribly uninteresting, but I guess my, mine's a close, uh, close, a close similar story to that is I, I drove... I drove a combine um, most summers during during college uh, on my dad's farm. Um, I don't think that's what people perceive about me. No, I wouldn't have guessed that either. Oh my gosh, you learn something new every day. Pretty 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 good at like you know about three point two miles an hour. <laughs> uh, pretty good, pretty good little tractor driver. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Do you ever go back and do it still? That's not really a it's not really a genius zone activity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my gosh, Turner, Matt, thank you so much. This has been absolutely insightful, and I know that everyone listening got like I got just so much out of this. So I appreciate the insightfulness. I appreciate the forward thinking, and and also I just want to say, and I hope people really hear this. I really appreciate how you're working to help others succeed too, because I don't, I don't think any of us can do it alone. And there's so much satisfaction, and and in other people's success, I think too. So absolutely, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time